Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is drive time with Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chua Tian Tian. Time now for market view. Uh, quite an interesting one today. Mm. I know we're going to talk about Singapore markets. You're going to bring up all those numbers worth uh, paying attention to. But right. you're also talking about some uh, notable Singapore companies as well. Tell yes. us more. So some notable names. Uh, let me just bring you that closing numbers first. Okay. The STI closed up 0.93% at 3,311 points. Value Value turnover wise, we're looking at 1.02 billion Sing dollars. Gainers outnumbered losers 327 versus 226. Top advances UOB, GMH, USD, and Jardin, Psycho, and Carriage. Top decliners, we're looking at IFAS, SGX, and Lion Asia Pack. Now back to the companies. Mm. Uh, Singtel made the headlines today, reporting a 27.6% year on year decline in net profit uh, to 532 million Sing dollars for 3Q and December. SIA also on the news today after being crowned as Airline of the Year for yeah. 2023. We talked about that yesterday as well. Yeah. Um, so what's happening here for today is that the airline, along with its budget arm Scoot, saw a fourfold increase in passengers in January compared to the previous year. This despite a drop in passenger capacity. So really lots to watch. And uh, joining us as we break down all that market action we have with us, Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Terence, welcome to the show. Hey, Tian Tian. Hi, guys. Hey, hey, Terrence. So let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How do you think the Singapore stock market's fed so far for the, the week? And how do you think it will end uh, Friday? Well, the STI at this uh, 3300 level seems to offer pretty decent support for now. The stock market uh, closed lower actually in the three straight sessions, sinking almost 80 points uh, or 2.4%. Uh, along the way before attempting to regain this uh, 3300 mark today. Uh, and uh, they managed to like eke through. Uh, in the last two sessions in the US, I think that's where the bellwether really is. You could see a bit of jitters you know, prior to the openings because of the CPI data, the retail sales data. Uh, but uh, the data did not disappoint or fall short expectations. Uh, in fact, it actually went a little bit ahead. Uh, and uh, there were flat closings. So, so it was strong numbers. And uh, bad, really, the the good news is meant to be bad. But in this case, good news is meant is, is pretty much neutral because the U.S. market actually closed uh, uh, flat, and uh, this was taken as a positive for the STI. And I, I think that you know uh, there's uh, some good news coming along, especially on the corporate mark, uh, corporate front. So uh, the STI actually did quite decent this week. Mm. Uh, Terence, looking at the biggest movers for today, any caught your attention? Okay, I got back not too long ago. Okay, I'm going to take a look at the biggest movers right now. Banks. Mm. Uh, what's shouting at me? The three banks, top five, uh, UOB, DBS, OCBC. And I yeah. could only mm. guess it's because of the very, very strong results that DBS came up with this week and uh, given that banks are bellwether and and uh, DBS is the trailblazer, right? So I think uh, there's going to be positive sentiments uh, over the likes of UOB as well as OCBC. Singtel came out with results um, and I heard Tian Tian mention earlier on uh, just a couple of minutes ago that, you know, Singtel, uh, the numbers were down. Uh, but uh, I, I think that overall, if you look at it, if you strip it out, it is not as bad as the numbers suggest. And the markets have also taken it positively. 
So I want to zoom in on that Singtel, uh, Singtel's performance, which you mentioned earlier. To what extent do you think it's significant for the company, given that once you strip up all the um, outliers, perhaps uh, it's not that bad after all? Well, so uh, let, let's dig a little bit deeper uh, right here. Look at the reasons for the decline for net profit. Um, it is largely due to the exceptional loss right, um, of the Indian subsidiary at and one of the units of the of, of Airtel, which is the Indian subsidiary of, of Singtel. Um, also, one one would, you you should also note that you know the higher net profit in uh, well last year was boosted by a one-off net gain of disposal of an equity stake in an, uh, another one of its subsidiaries. So uh, on one on the one hand, you have a, a write-off for this this year, and on the other, you have uh, basically an exceptional gain on the others. Uh, on the other, so you, you, that 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 explains the very very big uh, dip. Uh, looking at the standalone uh, basis, you know, for some of its subsid, for some of its subsidiaries, uh, for Singtel, you know, Airtel uh, has done very very well. In India, continued to grow its mobile market share uh, on the back of higher ARPU and increase its uh, 4G uh, customer base. Mm. Right. Telecom cell is also doing well, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, in Singapore, NCS services arm uh, has actually seen uh, uh, margins decline. And to that, the CEO of Singtel has actually mentioned that in the, in the coming quarters, uh, they will be able to actually reverse the decline. Hmm. Uh, Terence, proud Singapore moment uh, where Singapore Airlines Airline of the Year 2023. Then today, uh, SIA and so Scoot saw a fourfold on year increase in passengers in January. Uh, what's the extent of uh, recovery for the aviation sector so far when you look at this? And obviously, what does it mean for SIA? Yes, that's right, Elliot. Um as aside, I, I believe this is well-deserved. Mm. Uh, SIA uh, previous update in uh, the third quarter ending December 22 indicated a strong passenger load factor uh, of uh, 87%, which is actually the highest in its history uh, as demand for travel to Australia was particularly strong uh, during the summer season. Um, and uh, if you were to look at the, the regional uh, aviation competitors, uh, some of some I, I think people would know that you know Cathay Pacific uh, would plan uh, has planned to restore seventy uh, percent of its carrying capacity mm, yeah. uh, by this year, right? And some of the LC the low cost carriers uh, like Air Asia has also continued to add capacity. Um, I, I think that that uh, would have an impact on the competition in SIA. So that's something to look out for. Uh, but uh, with SIA having uh, this uh, very very strong position. Um, I, I think they're also looking forward to the opening up of China. Uh, that could add on, you know, a couple of percentage points uh, to the load factor. And uh, I, I believe that, you know, they, they will continue to see uh, good results in the coming quarters. All right. We're talking to Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Terence, uh, let's talk about some privatization deals. Property player Chip Ng Sing will be delisted, as we were reporting earlier. The public now holds less than 10 percent. Uh, of the company's shares. What are your thoughts on uh, the likelihood of more privatization in 2023? Well, I, I, I feel that uh, there will continue to have uh, more privatizations. Uh, it is a, gro- a growing trend. Uh, but, you know, if you were to look at the news today, uh, MOF as well as ACRA has already approved some of the changes. Uh, that would actually, uh, that would actually, in- I, I feel that that would impact the, the privatization drive. Many of 
many players, uh, many companies, small companies, you know, they have, I think, have made lowball offers uh, over the last two, three years, uh, incurring the wrath of uh, the minority shareholders, and this expected. So uh, I, I believe that the, the changes right now uh, to make it more stringent, uh, to make it more difficult for for uh, companies that want to privatize uh, to make low offers, uh, but they do have to make fair offers. I, I think that there will still be mm-hmm. companies coming through, uh, except that the the offers will uh, be a lot fairer than what it was. Uh, you know, in uh, average prices will be what uh, a lot fairer than what it was in the last couple of years. Mm, and Terence, I want to very quickly look at Marco Polo Marine, one of the heavily traded securities in the morning. Uh, after an increase in gross profit of 153%, we are talking about $6.6 million for first quarter ended December, though. What's the outlook for the company? Well, Marco Polo, that's a great and a raw story. You know, in 2016, 2017, uh, it was basically left to the grave. Uh, like most of the small cap O&M players, uh, personally, I, I thought that you know it was very very difficult for it to uh, climb back. Uh, but uh, all credit to the CEO Sean uh, Sean Lee, uh, who who basically like banded a group of white knights together. He spoke he spoke to me too, and and I believed in the story. In 2018, he relisted. Uh, but this relisting didn't wasn't exactly a fairy tale kind of story, you know, because for the next three years. Uh, from 2018 all the way to 2020, just uh, when COVID struck, you know, those were years that he actually struggled. But in 2020, uh, at the peak of COVID, he actually pivoted uh, to supplying vessels to uh, the wind energy guys. And uh, that paid off. Uh, Over the last two years, that business uh, has been driving a good part of the growth. And last year, as oil exploration grew, uh, make a Make a comeback, made a comeback. Uh, mm. Demand for the vessels that Marco Polo uh, op- operates uh, jumped. The demand actually jumped. And this was uh, also a product of the underinvestment over the years in the O&M sector. But uh, Marco Polo had many new, uh, relatively new vessels and they were able to command very, very uh, much better rates. Uh, so Marco Polo has benefited tremendously and I believe the outlook continues to shine bright at least for the next couple of years. Hmm. And uh, Terence, a very, very quick one before we let you go. Uh, it has to do with the U.S. markets. You did mention it as well. U.S. investors taking that forecast-busting retail sales report out last night in their stride. Do you think it's a case whereby investors are just sick and tired of all the bad news coming out or the you know good news being read as bad news kind of thing? Yeah, that's right. Good news equals bad news. Now good news equals to <laughs> mildly good news, right? Um, and I, I think that that's... Uh, uh, that's about right. I, and I, I believe that many of these investors, uh, just, just to take a step back, the retail sales uh, numbers came in at 3% when the market was expecting circa 1.8%. Uh, and for two days in a row, I, I, you know, there was the CPI numbers that came out, there was the retail sales numbers that came out. Both of them were better than expected. And you expect like the markets to hit south because of that. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't, right? Uh, uh, there, was, there was some dip and then the buyers came back. Uh, they came back in the vengeance and they brought it back up to neutral, the, the markets up to neutral territory. I think what's interesting to look at uh, right now is that uh, the following this CPI data, you know, market now sees the Fed funds rate peaking at about 5.3% mm. uh, in August. Uh, I think earlier on, some of them were saying that you know there there will be rate, uh, there could be a possibility of rate cuts. That that's unlikely to happen 
uh, right now. But the markets is all about whether rate cuts or no rate cuts. The markets, is, the markets are all about certainty, uh, and that affects the volatility of the market. And if the markets are more certain that you know things are going to happen in a certain way, mm. uh, then I believe that uh, this will be positive in the mid to long run. Right. Thank you very much, Terence. That was Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.